In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, reflecting into the Gospel for Sunday, Scripture for Sunday. And as I have had in the past, uh, Debbie Rosales, I once again have her with me in the radio studio uh, this evening. So, Debbie, it is great to have you with me another night. Thank you for having me, Joe. So, Debbie, this 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we have the opportunity to reflect into some very important words from our Lord that comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, words that really uh, lie at the heart of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So, um, because our time is brief, each and every Friday <laughs> evening, why don't we get going with the Gospel so that we can have all the time we need to reflect on it? Tonight we're reading the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. Amen. Thanks, Deb. So with these opening verses, there's certainly an emphasis on the Trinity. Now, as Catholics, we believe that foundational doctrine of our faith is the Trinity. Uh, and so what is the Trinity? Here we have our Lord talking about how he reveals uh, the love of the Father and how the Father reveals his love through his Son. So what is going on here? The Trinity is the Father eternally loving the Son, and the Son in turn eternally loving the Father. And that love is so eternal, so perfect, that it bears life. It gives us the Holy Spirit. And defined, technically, the Holy Spirit is the love shared between the Father and the Son. Now, we don't have the word Trinity in Scripture, right? Yet right. we see the manifestation of the Trinity everywhere. It was a one Tertullian who really uses the Latin language to translate a lot of uh, the, the Scripture theologically, and he was the first to coin the term uh, Trinitas for Trinity. He was the first one to really introduce this idea of, of three persons and substance and essence and all of this. So, what lies at the heart of it? Yes, we've had so many theologians uh, reflect into this in very abstract terms, but it is our job here, Debbie, I think, to simplify this. 
if we're dealing with persons, we're dealing with subjects, and at the heart of it is love given, love received, and love shared. That's the essence of the Trinity. So why is the Trinity the foundational doctrine to all doctrine? Because at the core of it, at its very essence, is love. And so when we are talking about creation, the incarnation, the paschal mystery, the ascension, all of these doctrines that come to us from sacred scripture and have have been handed on through the ages, they always go back. They always come back to that great truth behind the Trinity that at its core, at its essence, is love. Moreover, as John Paul II reminded us early in his pontificate, God in his deepest mystery is not a solitude, but he is family because he has fatherhood, sonship, and the essence of family, which is love. So everything that we talk about as it relates to our faith, Debbie, always must come back to the Trinity because that is the source. That is the foundation. We are baptized into the very life of the Trinity. And so we must always be thinking about the significance of what that means. Very important. Such a beautiful, beautiful symbol that we have of the, of the family. We were just discussing about that familyhood. That without the Holy Trinity, we don't have Christianity. Mm-hmm. It is the mark of Christianity. It's mm-hmm. what separates a Christian church from a non-Christian church, belief in the Holy Trinity. And we're seeing all around us the attack of the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It correlates. This is a correlation um, between that, our Trinitarian belief, and love at its very core. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, I think that's a point that, that can never be overstated, that when, we, when you take a step back and you see the attack on the family today, that really it is an attack on God. Mm-hmm. I mean, God is not like a family. He is family. His essence is family. There's no like about it. And so, yeah, when, when the family is rejected, Debbie, God is being rejected. Yes. And that point can never uh, be o- overstated. This language that you've read for us, Debbie, this revealing to the simple, revealing to the little ones. This revealing, Debbie, you know, you have this juxtaposition between the professional versus the inarticulate. In fact, you know, the secret of God's heart are revealed literally to the inarticulate. The Greek rendering is inarticulate as we would speak to it as an infant, you know, those who have no words. The idea here is one of utter dependency, just like the child who learns to smile and speak through the imitations of her mother. So we, Debbie, are to learn how to smile and speak joyfully through the imitation of our Lord. This is what our Lord wants us to see in this passage. I have the wonderful opportunity to witness this right now as um, Jackie is uh, breastfeeding um, our youngest daughter, Sina. She's five months, and you just slowly and surely see her begin to uh, interact with uh, mom in, in a very profound way, this, this kind of kinship that is going on in that infant-mother relationship. It's beautiful. 
course, we have that great passage from Romans 8.15 where uh, Paul says, you know, we did not receive the spirit of slavery in which we fall back in fear, but the spirit of sonship in which we cry, Abba, Father, a profoundly intimate term. It is Abba, Papa, Daddy, a language that only an infant uses. And this is the language that he wants us to really gather in and begin to appreciate. Because if we don't get this, then we are not going to get the Christian gig. If we don't understand what this is about, then we just won't get it. And this is why he talks in the language of the meek. What does that word mean? If you were to go into the beatitude on the meek, it literally translates the Old Testament uh, anawim, which were the poor ones. What's more, Debbie, is the anawim literally translated means on bended knee, this humble disposition. Our Lord comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, essentially (laughs) the mount of the poor. This is what he wants us to see that this in the end is what it's about. And how can we not think of the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God, because that beatitude really focuses in on this idea of being completely, utterly dependent upon God. The idea behind that is that we long for God the same way our lungs long for air. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, you know, lung, breath, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the deer, you know, yearning for running water, so my soul longs for you, O oh God. I mean, this is what is at the heart of it. It's this way of life. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of existential disposition. It's just who you are. I mean, this is what we are after, and this certainly is what our Lord is talking about, this need to really enter into this kind of filial obedience, this personal entrustment. God reveals the secrets of his heart to those who have this disposition. Thank you for sharing that, because I love that it's the image of an infant. Even We're going back even further than childlike. Mm-hmm. You know, they use childlike, but I love that it's, so dependent, it's infantile, it's mm. infant, it's, and watching Sienna with Jackie this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, brought me back to my own days of nursing and that, and that totally, the total feel of this child's existence and life depends on me and the lifeblood of my, the milk that is produced. You know, there's this, there's this bond that is mm-hmm. just otherworldly. It's mm-hmm. just otherworldly. So I love that image of that total trust and dependent that an infant, not just a child that's more independent, but that infant who is so dependent on their parent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an, a beautiful image. I think it's um, um, even more of the simplicity that God is reaching for. And when you think about where this passage is, mm-hmm. he's just... yes put down yes yes <laughs> torn down all the cities around galilee you know and and the wise and the learned and the and he's going wow i want you like an infant mm-hmm. at the breast mm-hmm. that's how i want you dependent trustful pure that's the soul he's looking for mm-hmm. to enter and to reveal because it'll be lost Mm -hmm. on the learned Mm -hmm. they're gonna miss it completely they did miss it completely but those little ones those women at the well 
those the blind, the lame, the little, mm-hmm. they got it. Mm-hmm. And they went off rejoicing. Mm-hmm. They couldn't keep their joy inside. As you're talking, Debbie, the, the one thing that strikes me is you know, there's just a wonderful truth behind those who don't have to protect this false person. You know that the lame, the blind, the infant... They're not so busy protecting themselves, right? No. They're not so no. busy. What pre- do they have to lose? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they, Who they are. are. Yep. That's it. I mean, that, that's why our Lord loves the, the Anawim of God, because by nature, they're just going to be bent over uh, waiting to receive. Oh, that's, yes. Which brings us, I think, to our next point here, yes. Debbie, because... Here we have this language of yoke. Mm. And the first thing that struck me was that Christ didn't put his yoke upon them. He mm-hmm. offered it yes. to them, right? Yes. We have said time and time again here on this radio program that Christianity is first and foremost always about the personal encounter. Well, what were we just talking about as it relates to the Trinity? Mm-hmm. This eternal personal encounter, right? So Christianity, therefore, is going to always be about uh, the personal encounter. And so how does this take place? How does God open our hearts up? By inviting us, by not imposing, but proposing. Always. And that is what is always at the heart always. of each and every encounter. It, it strikes me. And so we have this language of the yoke, and I could not help but think, as you were talking about the bond that takes place between, you know, the mother and the infant. Could not help but think about the meaning of yoke itself. You know, where you have, you know, you have two people coming together to serve a common task. Now, that's one of the renderings of the Greek, and that is really what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, our Lord is saying, <laughs> yes. "Be yoked in me, yeah. if you will, and I will fulfill all of your heart's desires." And then you also uh, have this image. Debbie, of, uh, as it relates to yoke, this word really of burden, you know, but burden moving towards what? Burden that produces a work. Mm-hmm. Now, for the Israelite, they saw <laughs> the law that Moses prescribed as a burden. Over yes. time, the mm-hmm. Pharisees were very, very much, much so. imposing, not proposing, not inviting, but imposing these 613 mosaic laws in this kind of arrogant perfectionism or religious formalism. There was an emphasis on the letter of the law over the spirit of the law. I mean, 2,000 years later, Debbie, we are still dealing with this. We are so concerned with the letter and not the spirit of the person. We are so concerned about one's credentials versus the spirit they bring, the personality that they are. You know, we need to be able to identify that really it is about a person. And this is what Christianity opens us up to. So as it relates to the Israelites, the law became a very negative thing. And it became this overwhelming yoke. They began to distance themselves from it. And so Jesus Christ, in this wonderful shift, takes the law unto himself. I mean, how many times have we said, essentially, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the prophetic thrust of the Old Testament and the whole law of the Old Testament? He takes it unto himself, and he shows us 
that in the end, law is about relationship. Yes. You know, in the Old Testament, this was understood. Law was about relationship. Even the term uh, law in the Hebrew, yada, is uh, an archery term that speaks to um, hitting bullseye, hitting the, the heart of God, right? Hitting the mark, hitting the heart of God. And so, yeah, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, these prescriptions, because uh, they were necessary. But what Jesus shows us ultimately is their fulfillment. St. Augustine once said that uh, the law was given that grace might be sought, and grace was given that the law might be kept. And so what lies at the heart of that is what we read in today's Gospel, Debbie. He wants us to see that he is the grace, the gift given to us that we might be better stewards of the law. Once we see law in light of relationship, law not so much tied to rules but to virtues, this all begins to make sense. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the one who shows us how to be a better steward of the faith that he has given us. And what is that great prophecy from Jeremiah 31 in the days of the Messiah the law will no longer be written on stone, but will be inscribed upon the heart. The law will be written onto the heart, etched onto the heart. What is Jeremiah saying there? But in the Holy Spirit, we have been given the gift that is the very inner life of the Trinity, the love shared between the Father and the Son. I mean, what did we say in opening, Debbie? The Trinity is love given, love received, love shared. This is the gift that God gives to us that empowers us and emboldens us to live our Christian Catholic faith more fervently and that we might be better stewards of the law. Once you begin to understand law in light of the principle of relationship, we are only free, Debbie, to the extent that we keep laws. As parents, we set up boundaries with our kids for a reason. Don't do this and don't do that because behind every no is an immeasurable greater yes to doing the greater good. As parents, we know what's best for our children or at least what's going to keep them out of trouble. But if they don't keep our laws, what's going to happen? They're going to get themselves in trouble. And then suddenly law can be perceived as a negative thing. This is what is happening in the Old Testament over the course of time because of the way in which the Pharisees imposed it, it was seen as a negative thing. Well, Christ wants us to see it's something different. And I love, we have Jesus on trial and he says to them, you're not taking my life. I'm giving it willingly. That's the example for us that we say, Jesus, you're not taking anything. I willingly give it. Mm -hmm. out of love for you amen. because there is nowhere else where I will find life. He's always that first example for us. As we were preparing for Pentecost, we're, we're given the opportunity to do the novena to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we do that nine days of prayer and we focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, on the gift of piety, there was this beautiful line that popped out at me. And it said, where there is love, there is no labor. Mm. And mm. I remember writing it down on my blotter at work. Mm -hmm. And I went, this is profound. Mm -hmm. If you're laboring, are you truly loving? 
Because that line says, if we are truly living in love, we do things from love and they are no longer a labor. My burden becomes light. Amen. What's so wonderful about that truth is it really inverts even Christian conventional wisdom. Well, it's a labor of love, right? Mm -hmm. But really to say there's a labor of love, we insert ourselves into this mindset where we are not free to love. Mm -hmm. But it, it goes back, Debbie, to this reality of when you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a freedom that is just... Uh, I can't think of any of the word. It's just existential. And by that, I mean everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we are, we are no longer bound by uh, the labors of the world, the, the burdens of the world. We're just free to love as God in his original plan wanted us to love. You know, what is love? Again, Debbie, for as much as we've talked about love in, in light of the Trinity, Love is to will the good of the other. And of course, we see this par excellence on the cross. Love is to will the good of the other. And yeah, in light of what you were talking about as it relates to labor and love, it all begins to make sense that if we are free from all of those things uh, that we so often find ourselves bound to, it allows our spirit to breathe more freely and engage one another uh, more openly and honestly and with more integrity. Sure. But how do we think about that? How do we talk about that? It should bear new life. Mm -hmm. It should be life-giving. Right. You know, Deb, as we talk about new life, I cannot help but think of the word yoke and where it comes from the Greek, the, the zygos. It is most noteworthy that the term yoke is derived from the same Greek root from where we get the word zygote, okay? A zygote is the initial cell formed when a new organism is produced by means of sexual reproduction. In other words, the zygote is the first stage of the living organism's development. You know, there is this deeply embedded truth, Debbie, behind this word that communicates new life. I mean, our Christian heritage has always sought out to better understand the nature of science and all of its organic imagery to understand the very intimate union that we share with Christ, okay? We have already talked about this need to see our relationship with Jesus Christ as as an infant to a mother, mindful that church is, is holy mother. So it is that we are made to see our relationship with Jesus Christ and his church as one who would be inarticulate, huh? Uh, Without words, without utterances, to speak to it properly, Debbie. And once again, this is another paradox of our Christian and Catholic faith. But to be mature is to be an infant. Yes. To grow, yeah, to grow is to remain small. Mm Mm-hmm. To be first is always to remain last. This is what uh, is behind these verses, really. And it brings us back to, again, the Trinity. Why? Because it is the language of love. It is the language of dependency, entrustment, relationship, encounter. It is the language um, that our Lord is seeking. 
that our Lord desires. Any closing words, thoughts, Deb? Yes, Joe, maybe just as a closing thought, maybe tying up that rest that he's offering us to enter into. Come and enter my rest. And so we're talking about this yoke and willingly taking on this yoke, which could also be seen as our cross. Take up my cross. Take up your cross. Follow me. Wow, how do we find rest as we're lugging around this heavy cross? Well, we find it in love. We find it in the freedom of love, of freedom of obedience to the word who is Jesus Christ. Entering into that love just takes everything else away. It gives us that freedom you were talking about. And so we can just say, yes, Lord, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And that in itself gives us rest. Yeah, and as you talk about rest, Debbie, I cannot, cannot help but think about the story of creation. And on the seventh day, what did he do? Well, he rested. Was was God tired? <laughs> did he work so hard in the first six days? Did he labor so hard that he needed to rest? Well, what did you just talk about? Of course not. He rested so that we might come to understand and appreciate the importance of that seventh day, of just not rest, but worship. That in worship, we, begin, we may begin to understand the source of rest, that is, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we might begin to appreciate the gift of Sunday and how it is to impact every day. And even stretch ourselves and challenge ourselves to go to Mass as much as we can, that we might enter more into God's rest, God's Spirit. It is out from this, Debbie, that we can begin to appreciate the importance of what it is all about, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have been given the Eucharist as a great gift, the gift of thanksgiving. I mean, what person, Debbie, out there in the spirit of thanksgiving grumbles? What person out there who lives a life of gratitude is also down on life? No one. So we need to enter into this rest, this rest which calls us into a more fervent thanksgiving, that we might begin to better understand that rest is about living in this kind of perpetual relationship with Jesus Christ. It comes back to your point, Debbie, as it relates to love and labor. Amen. Amen. All right, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we do give you special thanks and praise for just the opportunity to reflect on the richness of your word, uh, the, in, the deep, deep uh, truths that you wish to reveal to us, uh, those truths which always are revealed to the simple-hearted, uh, those who um, allow themselves to be moved by Jesus Christ each and every day. And so we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.